Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for Connecting the Dots. This is the Stiefel Think Tank Group's podcast with deeper exploration of our analysis. The Think Tank Group here at Stiefel does bespoke data-driven strategic analysis for clients of the firm, but we do put some of our general findings out publicly, and we thought we would dig into some of those here today. In particular, American sectors with big shifts comparing before and after COVID, uh, some dramatic metrics around housing uh, and the economy related to that, and third, some interesting changes in travel. So the idea of connecting the dots is to discuss three big data points in less than 10 minutes. And I've burnt almost one minute with this intro, but that's okay. Uh, and I'm thrilled to have an amazing guest to dig into these shifts with me here today. Our guest is John Fasman. John, hello. Hey, Dave. It's great to be here. Great to have you. I've had the pleasure to know John actually for many decades. Uh, John is currently the American Business and Society Correspondent for The Economist. He has been at The Economist for 20 years with a variety of great roles, including Washington Correspondent and the Southeast Asia Bureau Chief. John has also been a big part of the fantastic podcast series from The Economist. But a little John Fasman fast fact, he was a novelist before that. He wrote The Geographer's Library. He wrote The Unpossessed City and more. Welcome, John. Thank you, Dave. It is great to be here. As you say, we've known each other a long, long time. We sort of went our own ways for a while, but life brought us back together maybe five years ago in D.C. So in addition to the great work that you do here, it's also a pleasure to be here just to sort of hang out for a little while. Fantastic to have you. I I, I, I second all of that. Um so let's get into these data points. We're now at about two and a half minutes burn in this in this lovely intro. Um, structural shifts that we can see as we do the analysis of pre and post COVID in sectors that housing, total footprint, and travel. So so let's dig into to that first bucket. What I'll call the more and more space. So these are sectors where we've done the analysis, and there's more digital traffic, which gives us a really interesting sense of how people are thinking. Americans spend 11 and a half hours a day roughly looking at screens. We can we can understand behavior shifts and mindset shifts. So we look at more digital traffic and more affinity in polling data. And we examine this in a paper, which I know you and I have discussed. In that more and more group, we see health, autos, gaming, and food, amongst some others. John, what stands out to you? Anything surprise you? I guess I'd pick food as the one area that surprises me. A few weeks ago, I wrote a piece about why packaged food providers, makers of frozen meals, General Mills, ConAgra, McCormick, guys like that were doing a lot better than expected. They, they beat analyst expectations this quarter. And it turns out that part of the reason is that COVID changed the way we eat. We are just eating out less than we did before. Part of that has changed habit. Part of that, I think, is inflation. But Americans are consuming packaged goods, frozen meals, ready meals at home, more than they did before. And the companies that make those things are getting a lot better at making products that meet diners' current expectations. So the old outdated assumption that you have packaged ramen or hungry man dinners, and that's what the category is, is really, is really, is really outdated. You have keto-friendly meals, you have vegan meals, you have a lot of innovation in that space that is attributable, I think, to a sticky shift in the way Americans eat. That's great. Yeah, we've uh 
we've certainly had some of those around our house. I don't know any any meals uh, stick out to you in the in the frozen at the Fasman house. At the Fasman house, the Fasman boys, of which there are two, are voracious and very discerning consumers of ramen. And I've been surprised. I have not done much instant ramen eating since college and grad school. I've been surprised at the just sheer variety of types and flavors and uh, products that are available now that weren't even you know 20 years ago. Uh, we we have done a variety of the, the Schick boys, of which there are two. Uh, we've done a lot of deep dives on the on the frozen pizza products. I would I would say that not that we'll say no to ramen. Certainly love a ramen as well. Um, but we'll we'll meet for a ramen uh, a ramen pizza anytime you know, bake off sometime no pun intended. Um, okay, to keep us moving, so that's a, that's an interesting. Obviously, there's there's car. You know, please give listeners please give us a call. We've looked at some car brands that moved up into the right and traffic and and mind share and 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 polling and daily polling share. Uh, happy to go through those uh, with anybody across industries across brands. Um, but let's jump to that second bucket, which is housing. John, if I had to uh, going in without looking at the data, if I if I had asked you what percent of the U.S. economy has a, a sharp tie, a close tie to housing, what would you guess? I'd probably guess around five. You're not the only person that says that. Um, five, ten, th- that kind of number comes out. When you look at selling, lending, building, fixing, furnishing. And really there's things further on than that. And you do the math around that, it gets up closer to 20 in the in certainly in the teens and close to 20%. It's really, really significant, right? And housing um is fascinating. It's you know, we've done work over the years. It, you know, housing cycles lay down these uh tree rings around major cities. Um but housing also pulls forward or pushes off demand for large ticket durable goods, washers and dryers and all the other stuff that we buy and consumption 70% of the economy. And so we're thinking about the thing that moves the most durable goods. Uh, we've had this extraordinary event where people were home, they were working from home um, and they valued uh, that differently. Interest rates moving around a lot. So I think that the thing I want to just pick your brain on is this whole housing and durable goods. If housing is tied to durable goods, durable goods are a huge piece of the economy and housing is a huge piece of the economy. University of Michigan's consumer sentiment data shows durable good buying conditions as consumers see them are 20% lower than just two years ago, than right at, you know, during COVID, we've dropped 20% and we're 50% lower than 2018. So there's just this we have bought the durable goods. We've pulled forward that demand. Um, how does that feel to you and all the different industries you look at and things you're you're diving into? I mean, the other thing that suggests to me, and I'm thinking about this in tandem with some survey data that I saw a day or two ago that showed just a huge spike in the number of people who said it was not a good time to buy a house. Is this an indication that people are feeling either the pinch of inflation and or worried about a recession and are putting off all big purchases or think that it's a bad time to make a big purchase now. Is this a is this a statement about durable goods and housing, or is this a broader statement about where people are in their own economic lives and where people think the economy is going? That's a great question. My take is there's a bit of satiated demand for durable goods. So the durable goods are bought, and, and now if you've 
if you've bought five, 10 or 20 years worth of durable goods over three, well, then that's that means something for the next five or 10 years. Um, I think there's certainly uncertainty. Um, and then there's this idea that uh, folks are in old mortgages, which keeps them locked in for moving. And that causes a sluggish sort of transaction count at the cash register for housing. And that's kind of the point of our high teens percent of the economy. Prices might be up or down. We, we, we might see movement, but when transaction count is down, it has a dramatic impact on a huge piece of the economy that has a little bit of a lag to show up in employment data and general velocity. But I think that that certainly is something to keep our eye on as 23 plays out. Yeah, definitely. Okay. On to point three uh, for behavior shifts. Uh, travel, uh, that, you know, there's, there's daily travel data one can look at now. Um, so wanted your take on this. Um, this is part of what we do in this ripple analysis. Uh, every day we look at new information that enters, uh, the kind of conversation sphere and really what the ripples of that have meant, uh, inside of companies or industries or markets. Um, there's, there's, there's some noise in the data, but really, you know, we had this improving trend all through 2022 and then late in 22. And now, even though we have some of the best travel numbers we've seen, it's really not getting better. It's not been getting better on a rate of change basis, you could argue for a few months now. Uh, Do you think that is companies pulling back? Do you think that's the end of revenge travel, as they call it? What do do you see in in your travel, so to speak, and in your work? Well, I can tell you anecdotally, I'm about to get on a plane on Friday for a business trip, and it will be my first time on a plane in two months. And by way of comparison, before the pandemic, so from 2007 to 2020, I was never at home more than three straight weeks. And my sense is that's not unusual. I think a lot of companies have pulled back on business travel. People aren't going to fly from you know New York to Chicago for a one-day meeting anymore when they can do that on Zoom, at least not as a matter of course. So I suspect that in the same way that COVID seems to have changed, I don't want to say permanently because nothing is permanent, but seems to have made a lasting change in how we eat. I think it's probably made a lasting change in how we travel too. I think that's right. We we see bits of that in our, our lives here. Um, being home then can drive that whole ramen. That's the, you know, that's that ramen cycle that we talked about earlier. So that's great that you're home with the boys more for ramen exploration. Um, I think that's it. We're going for time. Uh, I want to say thanks again to John Fasman from The Economist. Um, thanks for joining us, for connecting the dots, and uh, give us a call with any questions.